So let's just have a, a freewheeling discussion about how we should open the podcast. Because... Everybody was Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I feel like I've... Because first of all, we did that once already. We did Kung Everybody Fu Was Kung Fu Panda. Panda. Also, I just feel like there's not always going to be a song, a song I can sing from the movie. You kind of got yourself into that hole, and honestly, I don't know how to get you out of it. Well, that. I'm just saying... You fell into that tiger trap. <laughs> what if I said... You're really loud. Just FYI. Oh, why are you so quiet? Because I'm telling you that when we talk loud, it's very loud. Okay, so what if... Everybody was Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu. Everybody was Kung Fu Panda. Panda. His hands were fast as panda. How about... He really was a panda. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll have a discussion off mic. My name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Alan McMurray. And unfortunately, I am not the Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> this is no nerds allowed. I regret to inform you that you are not, <laughs> not the, the Kung, Kung Fu Panda. You are not <laughs> the Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> What if in the in the first movie instead of the dragon warrior they just referred to it as the kung fu panda? <laughs> like, and they're just like, today we will crown the kung fu panda, and all the furious five show up, and they're like, I wonder which of us is gonna be the kung fu panda. <laughs> and then the panda shows up, and then they're upset when he's the kung fu panda. When he's the kung fu panda, not them. Anyway, and like you're gonna be mad. You don't like this movie. I don't like this movie I nearly really like as much as movie. the first one. Can you? It, Describe to me exactly what it is that appeals to you okay, so much well, about Kung Fu Panda all, 2. I really like the villain. I think Shen is a really well-written villain. Disagree. I really like the aesthetic of the whole movie, like the choices they make with like lighting and design. Soft agree. And their different uses of animation, I think, makes a really cool look, and I really like it. Okay, seconded. And then, and I think that sound design is also really good. No opinion. Okay, <laughs> I, I think this. I think this movie has a really cool soundtrack, and I like how they use sound a lot. Like, I mean, like the whole fight in the musician's village, or like every impact, like lines up with a part of the song. I think it's such a cool scene. Uh, does it really though? It does. Jackson, if this is gonna be the whole podcast, I'm gonna leave. It kind of just is. They play some notes every once in a while. But that's the not whole like a scene. song. Look, it's no, it's notes lining up with parts of the music. Yeah, sometimes. So here's my thing. You've you've brought up bad energy. No, to the no, 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 no. If you agree with me, it's a good energy. Okay. So I'm holding the listeners hostage. Okay, great. You'll only enjoy this Pick one if you agree sign. with me. <laughs> yes. Here's the line in the sand. I agree with you that visually the, like, different animation styles for the flashback and the opening sequence and stuff, all very cool. Mm-hmm. And there's a, sure is a lot of red light in the third act. It's cool, though. Which is cool. But, first of all, biggest thing, I don't think any of the action in this movie, there's nothing in this second movie that kicks as much ass as... When Tai Lung throws a sword at Shifu, he does that cool move where he kind of spins it around behind him and, like, smashes it into the ground. Remember yeah, that moment? Yeah, I do remember that moment. Yeah, that's, like, one of the lesser kick-ass things in the first movie. <laughs> Nothing in this movie is as kick-ass as that. I don't know. I just think... I think Shen spinning around and throwing knives at people is pretty kick-ass. It's pretty kick-ass. But I just... Like, seriously, though, I think that, like, none of... None of the action sequences in this movie are as clean and as effective and as memorable as, like, any of the sequences in the first one. I mean, that's fair. I think that the big fight on the bridge is spectacular. The whole Tai Lung escaping from prison sequence is spectacular. The whole, it's not like a choreographed set piece, but the, like, just action bit where Poe is trying to get into the temple to see the ceremony and he has yeah. to like figure out all these goofy ways to get up there i think all of that stuff is so much better executed in the first one than it is in the second one i mean but i just love i love that scene where shen and poe they're like in the factory and poe's like trying to do things all while shen is like trying to talk to him and they're like that have that whole in between right. about talking about things that is that is a cool scene that's so really cool let's i 
I feel like I only have a handful of like broad takes about this. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna try to just go through the film. Yeah. And we could just talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So like so this is Kung Fu Panda 2. Oh. Before we get into it, I have okay. one little piece of trivia I want to read you that I learned from Wikipedia today. Okay, cool. Um, after the original Kung Fu Panda was released in June 2008, DreamWorks Animation played a second film with the title Kung Fu Panda colon Pandemonium, oh. which was changed by 2010 to Kung Fu Panda colon The Kaboom of Doom. Cool. Before Great. simply being retitled to Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah, that's a, that's a smart decision. <laughs> so, I agree okay. with that. Here is my number one issue with modern Hollywood. That, this movie, is it called Kung Fu Panda 2 Kaboom? <laughs> Kaboom of Doom. Kaboom of Doom. Zaboomafu. <laughs> Truly, I think goofy sequel names need to make a comeback. Listen, Fast and the Furious ruined it for everybody, <laughs> no. and we can't come back from that. No, no, no. Used to be we would get Too Fast, Too Furiouses. Used to be we would get, like... Name any other example. <laughs> jungle to Jungle. That's not a sequel. No. I'm trying to think of other, like, fun... Like, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakle. Yeah, uh-huh. Used to that be... That great film... Used to be when you made a sequel, you would, like, put the number in the title somewhere in a weird way. Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. To Electric Boogaloo. But that immediately made people think that your movie was bad. <laughs> no. And in, in the case of Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakle, they were Usually, correct. I'm just saying. If we watch Alvin and the Chipmunks on this podcast, <laughs> I will quit the podcast. I'm just saying. Used to be we got fun and creative with sequel names. Nowadays, it's either just Kung Fu Panda 2 or it's Captain America colon The Winter Soldier. That's your favorite movie of all That's time. That's true. <laughs> but I'm saying if it was called Captain America 2 the, the colon squeakle. The Squeakle, I would be much more on board with it. <laughs> it's either dramatic subtitles that function as an actual title to the movie, which I don't think is that bad. It's just that there are so many like comedy sequels. Like, Daddy's Home 2? What the fuck is that? Yeah, that? Well, I think if you're doing a comedy, you you feel free to do that, because who cares? But, like... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I agree with you. I like there to be some kind of title other than just two, because to me, it feels like, we made a second one. Right. You, don't you want to see the second one? Like, with Captain America and the Winter Soldier, it's like, oh, there's a weird, oh, we're doing something. This right. movie actually has a title. Ooh. But, like, but then you have Planet of the Apes, where you have (laughs) War for the Planet of the Apes, Dawn for the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That's just bad. That's just bad marketing. That doesn't fit into any, like, particular trend. No, it's It's just just they did a bad job. Um, But, okay, also, if you're going to do a dramatic subtitle for your sequels, the subtitle has to function on its own as an appropriate and easy-to-say movie yeah, title. Yeah, so I can right? just say the subtitle. Exactly. And people will know what I'm you say about. Winter Soldier, you know what's up. You say Infinity War, people know what's up. The you Age say Rogue of, Nation. Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. We're only doing Marvel, but, like, Rogue Nation's a great one. You can just say Rogue Nation, and people are like, oh, yeah, Mission Impossible 5. Yeah. All of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, exactly. Rise of Skywalker's great. You, Ghost, <laughs> Ghost Protocol. Like, but if you're going, like, oh... Fallout, no bueno. Yeah. Oh, The Dark World, no bueno. Doesn't function on its own. Ragnarok is kind of half and half. Yeah. I could take or leave Ragnarok. It kind of works. It's not great. Um, Civil War, kind of half and half. Yeah. People might just kind of think you're talking about the Civil the War. The Civil War. <laughs> but still. My favorite part of the American Civil War is when Robert E. Lee got <laughs> smashed a billion times by Ant-Man's giant foot. Remember? Remember when Frederick Douglass grew to the size of 30 feet tall? It just slammed <laughs> like he does in the comic books. into the dirt and just ground his heel in. Remember when Abraham Lincoln... <laughs> Shot vision with his laser beam. Yeah, uh huh. No, I mean, wait. Why is why is he Wanda? <laughs> no, wait. I got that backwards. Wait. Remember when? Remember when Abraham Lincoln shot War Machine with his laser beam? <laughs> I want Abraham Lincoln to be the Vision. All right, gotcha. 
Because he had a vision. Even though, really, he should probably be Captain America. He should probably be Captain America. <laughs> Who's in, if you had to fan cast yes. Captain America Civil War. With people from the actual Civil War. Who would you cast? Okay. Um, Who would Harriet Tubman be? Harriet Tubman. I feel bad saying that she's Black Widow. She's probably Black Widow, <laughs> she's, right? Yeah, kind there's of the Black only, Widow of the American one, Civil War. Only, she's a spy. <laughs> A lot of espionage involved. Yeah, Harriet Tubman was a spy. She would, like, go in disguises and, like, sneak into places. <laughs> she knew where all the bombs were in the river, just like Black Widow <laughs> just... did. Um... What about, um... I don't have, I don't have any I more don't good have jokes. Any more. <laughs> I uh, just like this is image... probably sketchy territory in the first place, anyway. I just like, I just like the imagery of Ant-Man stomping Robert E. Lee into the dirt. I personally enjoy that. <laughs> I think that's what America needs right now. So Kung Fu Panda 2. Yes. Opens with this great sequence that's like animated in the style of like Chinese shadow puppets. Yeah. Uh, telling you the whole backstory of how Shen is this peacock and he's like, oh, I'm going to invent guns. But then uh, a fortune teller told him that if you do that, you're going to get killed by a panda. So... <laughs> What he did was he killed all the pandas in the world, except for the, for the Kung, the Fu, Kung panda. Fu Panda. That was his mistake. He should have killed only the Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> he did the opposite of yeah, what he should have uh, done. He only really had to kill one panda. In my AU, <laughs> Poe is the only, only one who dies. dies. And the world is and better the, for him. And then the world ends. It's a wonderful life, except it's Poe and just like realizing that everything would have been better. <laughs> no, the world would have ended because Shen would have won. Yeah, but if everyone's really happy, is it truly a dystopia? Anyway. I, I think everyone would be pretty upset except for <laughs> Shen. Um, here's, here's one of my beefs with this movie. Yeah, one of your beefs. The first movie is all about this idea of like fate and people who are trying to avoid their fates ending up playing directly into it it's mm -hmm. this this ancient classical narrative of like hubris yeah. right i think it goes a very long way to come up with a unique and fun spin on it mm -hmm. the guy who's trying to avoid his fate is not the protagonist is not the villain it's sort of the mentor of the story mm -hmm. who is frustrated that he has to sort of play along with this big idea that he can't understand, right? Yeah. And, you know, Poe is kind of just going with the flow, and Tai Lung d isn't really involved, right? Yeah. It's, well, Tai Lung is trying to do what he believes his fate is. Right. Um, so it's like taking this sort of chosen one narrative, this sort of, like, classical hubris narrative, and, like, spinning it, you know, it's not, like, subversive or anything. It's yeah. just, like, an interesting take on the idea, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that its take on the whole fate-based storytelling in this one mm -hmm. is just the classic easy one. Oh, yeah. A guy, someone tells something it's going to happen, so he tries to make it not happen, but then it does happen still. And you're like, okay, cool. That is fine, I guess. <laughs> you can't talk shit about a classical narrative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I'm not saying Oedipus Rex is bad. <laughs> I'm just saying we've seen Oedipus okay, Rex. that's fair. Um, Many, it's my favorite it's my favorite <laughs> thing every day classical. we need a new when is the Oedipus Rex cinematic universe gonna take off oh I am very surprised someone hasn't tried to pull off a Shakespeare cinematic universe I think we left our modern Shakespeare movies like back in the 90s you know that's not Shakespeare right you're right but you know what I, no, I'm unrelated okay, I think okay. I'm surprised we haven't started doing like Shakespeare yeah. like plays again yeah because in the 90s there were a lot of like modern takes on Shakespeare yeah plays. well Kenneth Branagh just sort of cornered the market on it yeah see but I don't want a modern Shakespeare play I just want someone to do a Shakespeare movie well like, yeah but in the 90s we were so into like doing like loose adaptations of things it was like oh did you know she's the man is actually Twelfth Night and Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is actually the Odyssey, and Ten Things I Hate About You is actually... Which one is it? What you do about nothing? Taming of the Shrew? Did you know that, <laughs> that Batman Returns is actually Taming of the Shrew? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and it's like, we did this whole thing where we were like, what if they're teens? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if I actually really want that. 
the clueless is the same way that's yeah. Emma. And like I feel like that's the last time we sort of like engaged with that kind of classic literature on like a broad level, you yeah. know? Like you've got little women now. Yeah. And that's, but that's sort of its own you thing. You got the Atlas Shrugged movie coming out. <laughs> no, it's not Atlas Shrugged, it's The Fountainhead. That's right, that's right. Zack Snyder's The Fountainhead, oh which is going to kick I ass. I don't know what to think about that film. <laughs> I, I read Atlas Shrugged. I have The Fountainhead, but I haven't read it. But right. I, I have to imagine they're similar. <laughs> yeah, you gotta read The Fountainhead. I gotta read The Fountainhead, because I don't know what the fuck Zack Snyder's going to do. Should we... Should we do, like, a book club on this podcast? Do we want to read The Fountainhead? read The Fountainhead it's in anticipation of Zack Snyder's Okay, I read Atlas Shrugged for... I read it for school because I wanted to read it because of Bioshock. But I knew <laughs> if I never... If I wasn't going to read it for something, I was just never going read to it, read it. So I read it for a class project, which is a mistake because I had to read, like, 100 pages a day. But right. there's a part in that book where the main, like, anarchist guy, whose name I can't remember, it's, like... Oh, it's John Gall, because who is John Gall? Right, but, John Wayne Gacy. So he, like, hacks into, like, the radio station, and he's, like, like giving his whole big speech about how capitalism sucks because it keeps the great from being great. Right. So Brad Bird gets hacks into right. the radio. <laughs> yeah. But he just, like, says the same thing over and over again on the radio for, like, 80 pages. <laughs> right. Like, I, like, he had, like, the first paragraph, he was like, here's what I'm saying. Like, the government is terrible at trying to control things. Civilization is breaking down because we don't have trains, which is just funny because <laughs> right. I don't see that happening. <laughs> if the train system <laughs> broke down, I think we would be fine. But would we have been fine in the 20s? That's fair. That's very fair. But, yeah, but he just, then he just continues to say the same thing <laughs> right. for like a hundred pages yeah. and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm telling you i've told this to you before and i think i've tweeted it before also yes. if they ever make a bioshock movie Zack yeah. snyder will direct it oh, there yeah. is no oh, universe yeah. in which it will not be a oh, Zack yeah. snyder joint i would give a million dollars to see a brad Bird bioshock film that would rip so it would much rip so hard. i feel like the, the the whole thing about Bioshock is that they're criticizing capitalism and showing how capitalism can go so wrong so quickly. Right. So I feel like Brad Bird maybe wouldn't get that. But <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Not, he would be like, no, Cap, it's good. Right. It's good that we didn't have anything controlling this dangerous drug that killed everybody. I right. like that. But see, I don't know. We, and we got into this. This is also not relevant no, to Code for No, no. We're, we're talking about Bioshock and Ayn Rand. Um, but... We, we got into this a little bit on our Incredibles episode, that, like, Brad Bird's weird point of view is not necessarily, like, it's a, it's not, like, objectivism. It's more, like, exceptionalism, I guess. Yeah. Just that, like, if someone's cool, we should let them be as cool as possible. Yeah. For the betterment of all of us, yeah, you know? Yeah, we'll all be cooler if we let the cool people be cool. <laughs> right, yeah. And his version of who is, who is cool doesn't have anything to do with race or status or even money really. even money really yeah. it's just like people who are cool extra cool yeah. yeah well it's people who are like brad bird right exactly <laughs> what it is. people who are great animators who are really frustrated by their work on fox and the hound <laughs> just like 12 people <laughs> which is more than you would think yeah uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, did we talk about this on the podcast? How many different auteur animators were animators on Fox and the Hound? It just fucking hated it. Literally, Henry Selleck, Tim Burton, Brad Bird, John Lasseter, Clements and Musker, yeah. and fucking Don Bluth yeah. were all animators on <laughs> Fox and the Hound. fucking hated it. because well, I went through a really strong Tim Burton phase, so I, like, learned a lot about, like, his, like, career and stuff, and he was just, like... I, I wasn't good, he would, like, he wasn't good at school because, like, he couldn't motivate himself to do stuff that he didn't care about. It's mm -hmm. like, so he didn't do good in school, but so he got into animation and he really liked it. It was working on Fox and the Hound. And he's like, I was really bad at drawing the animals, so they had me do background images of foxes just, like, every day for a year. And he's like, I <laughs> right. fucking hated it. But then while he was doing that, he made The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's true. But then he couldn't fucking do anything with it because Disney technically owned it. <laughs> right, yeah. So he just hated it the whole time. Um, anyway, Kung Fu Panda 2. Yes. Directed by Tim Burton. Yes. Um, Dude, what if... What <laughs> no, if stop, Tim stop, stop. Directing... Okay, we gotta I talk about this... Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> no, hold on, I have to say this. <laughs> okay. I see this all the time. 
where like artists do like oh Tim Burton versions of things and it right. always looks exactly the same and right. I can tell these are people who watched The Corpse Bride and nothing else right because it's always just that art style and I'm like we should make <laughs> have you like like Tim Burton's drawings have a very specific aesthetic but they're all not that skinny person with no expression right. that everybody thinks that it is we should make a series of posts that's like what if Tim Burton directed the Avengers but it's like today. Yeah. And it just looks like a fucking CGI nightmare, like Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> just looks like, just looks like shit. horrible, <laughs> like just ugly, god awful yeah. scene design. Okay, I think I think Alice in Wonderland is one of those movies that had to look like shit, so we would learn how to make things not <laughs> right. look like shit. It's true. I think it was it's a very true. important stepping stone. Very Attack of the Clones in yeah, that way. Yeah, unfortunately, the whole thing had to be green screen, <laughs> and you can you can it looks like it. Right, <laughs> you can tell they made Helen Bonham Carter's head bigger, and it's just it's just weird. No. I think that part's cool you about like that it. Part? I like that part. <laughs> I mean, look, I think it would work a lot better if the it rest of the movie today. didn't yeah. look like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a fun bit and an interesting way to use CGI. Yeah. But, like, if you just, like, do that on its own within, like, yeah. a movie that just looks like ass, <laughs> it just, like, hurts <laughs> to look at. I remember, I think the Jack of Hearts, like, whole costume is CGI in that movie, Probably. if I remember correctly. Well, at least Tim Burton's... Does. Not Tim Burton's. Johnny Depp's whole body is CGI. That whole movie. Are you serious? Yeah, they just oh. CGI'd his body because they wanted him to look a little bit weird. Yeah, which is fair. No, it's not. Okay, because <laughs> it looks horrible. <laughs> but that's a, if you want it to look horrible, then it does. You okay. did it. Um, Kung Fu Panda Kung 2. Kung Fu Panda 2. You're not allowed to talk for the rest of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um. So, okay, I said my thing about fate, about how the, like, yeah. fate thing is kind about of boring he- in this how movie. how Oedipus Rex sucks. Um, I also, yeah, and it just, it takes so long for us to, like, really get into the stakes of this movie. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, Shen's guys are gonna go get some... Metal. Metal. And you're like, okay, that's, like, sort of a short-term thing that, like, motivates the plot immediately, right? Yeah. They show up, they try to stop them, and they just, like, kind of succeed, and then they go home. And you're yeah. like, okay, Cool. Um, but when that happens, Poe has, like, a flashback to when his parents died. Yes. So he has, like, kind of a vague idea that, like, maybe I had parents who died. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and then Shifu Fushigi's a raindrop. Yeah. (laughs) And that is important to the movie. Well, it's, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna (laughs) talk for the podcast. (laughs) But, like... It's, I think, you you always say this, you hate extra backstory about things that you don't care about, but, like, I think, I think it is a logical step for Poe. Like, you always say, like, he's got a goose for dead, he just has a goose for dead, fuck it, whatever. Yes, true. I, see, he, he has, like, who he is his whole life, and then he finally, like, gets to do his dream thing, and he's a kung fu master, and he knows how to do all this stuff, but then he kind of has to, like, ask the question of, like, well... Is this who I am, though? Like, what am I now that I have this, like, newfound power? And then right. he kind of has to go back to his roots. He's like, well, maybe there's something else going on because I looked at a wolf and had a panic attack, so maybe something else is going on. Right. But also, I think that does still... If you ask me... A, a sequel should never have to step on the creative ideas of the original movie in order to move forward. I don't think it does. I think it does. I think his dad's just a goose, and I don't care. But the movie doesn't step on that. It just adds to that. No. He's like this. He found him in. The, he found him in the garden, and then he brought him in, and then he raised him as, a, yeah. as his own. Like, it's that's also a, like an eight-minute sequence just yeah. for his dad to be like, "I found you, and I raised you as my kid." Well, I think it's important. I think it shows that it's important to the dad. Like the dad. I think it shows. So um, I think it shows more runtime of a baby panda to put in the trailers. <laughs> No, I think, I think, I can never remember the dad's I think Goose Dad and Poe, I think we're trying to put more emphasis on that relationship because we kind of, we established who the dad was in the first one as this kind of controlling, kind of overbearing dad a little bit. Right. And then now we're trying to establish, like, how much he, like, cares about Poe and has raised Poe and has kind of protected Poe from things and conversations and stuff like that. So I think, 
I, I agree with you that that segment is too long, but like I understand why right. they focused on it so much. My pitch would be just make it about the relationship between him and his dad. Yeah. You're like, I'm the dragon warrior now, and he's constantly like, when are you going to come back and make noodles? And he's like, Dad, I can't ever come back and make noodles. Yeah. And it has to be about them like finding a balance between like work and family and yeah. like doing that kind of thing. That would be my pitch. Yeah. And then there would be a peacock who fucking kills his dad and his real and his goose dad would die. Yeah. And then he would have to figure out but and, why and the, then why would he... and then Shen would kill all the goose <laughs> in the land. Why would But then he'd get killed by Goose Dad at the end. <laughs> Wait, I thought Goose Dad was dead. <laughs> Make it the same. <laughs> Except instead of him killing all the pandas, he kills all the geese. The gooses. But then why is Poe here? <laughs> to kick ass sometimes. <laughs> It's called Kung Fu Panda 2 colon Goose Dead. Okay, so just take the whole character arc away from Poe. Probably, yeah. Um, I also, I mean, yeah. So then he talks to his dad and he's like, what's up, dad? Why am why are you a goose and I'm a panda? Why am panda? And he says, well, you're not really my son. I found you. And then there's like this whole like eight minute sequence where it's like, I found you in the radishes. And then I took you inside, and then I looked around, and I didn't see anybody around, so I took you inside, and then I fed you some radishes. Hey, Jackson. And then, you know, and I fed you, and you were very hungry. I fed you more than I than I thought you would be needed to be fed. And then I <laughs> went, and then I went home, and it's like goes on forever, just to be like, I'm your dad, I found you, and you're my kid now, because you got yeah. dropped off on my no, doorstep. No, I agree with you that that scene is too long. I'm saying that I they had to bring emphasis to their relationship and that's how they chose to do it uh just in general i also think that my biggest stumbling block in this movie Mm -hmm. is that in the first movie the performances and the like the voice performances and the physical animation performances Mm -hmm. are so spectacularly well realized like every performance in the original movie is great and every animation of every character so perfectly fits in an like perfectly expressive way the the sound of that voice you know Mm -hmm. everything feels totally meshed together as like one cohesive unit that feels genuinely believable I think all these actors are not quite doing the same level of work in this one as they were in the original one I think I really like Angelina Jolie's performance as Tigress in this one yeah um, but I think, also, I think the dialogue is just not quite as good. Snappy. Um, but also, I found that not, I, the animation of people's faces are just not as expressive in this movie as they are in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the time there are lines that don't play as well as they could have because their faces aren't really doing very much, mm-hmm. you know, not that, you know, less is more obviously a lot of the time but in instances like this it feels like they're not fully selling the emotion of the actual vocal performance which is i don't even think always that great in the first place Well, i would like to be there like during like the pitch for this movie where i don't know if they were like not to say the words gritty reboot were ever said but like (laughs) what what they were trying to do like tonally Mm. because it definitely it doesn't have the same energy as Kung Fu Panda, where Kung Fu Panda is very silly until it gets serious, and then when it gets serious, it's dope. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I mean, look, I one of the things that I love about Kung Fu Panda is its yeah. skill at tone management, right? Yeah. The things that are funny and the things that are serious can sort of cohabitate in the same world and yeah. not compromise each other. Yes. I think Kung Fu Panda 2 has a huge problem with that. You are either making jokes or you are being serious and you can't mix them together at all. And every time they're about to be really serious, they totally undercut it with a weird extended gag about Poe throwing his hat or whatever. Yeah. Or somebody poking his big old belly and it going... And, like, I think that is one of the things that also just sort of contributes to the whole thing I'm talking about, about things not quite being perfectly married to each other, Mm -hmm. is that, like, I think this movie is really afraid because the plot line is... I mean, I say because it is that much darker, even though it's, like, only, like, a little bit darker. Yeah. They're afraid to take it seriously for too long, so anytime something interesting or dramatic happens, they have to 
absolutely always undercut it with a Jack Black joke that's not yeah. funny. I think they're afraid of losing the children in the audience, yeah. and so they have to go back to that. Yeah, I mean, that that's all I have to say about that. I think that it is constantly, you know, there's something to be said about a certain sense of humor that thrives on undercutting the serious stakes of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a very tight rope you have to walk. Yeah. Because unless you can effectively buy back those stakes, you just don't care about anything. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it comes down to character work. Mm-hmm. Because it, it depends on who the character is. Because, like, Poe is a great character to do that with. Because right. we've established that he is a silly person. Mm-hmm. So when something as serious is going on and he's being silly, we're not annoyed with him or angry with him. If anything, it's endearing because we know that that's who he is and that's what he's like. Right. And it just adds to the character and it adds to the scene because he's this guy who's been thrust into a power of greatness. Right. And so it makes sense that he's still not, doesn't act like that still. But then, like, so when he throws his hat or does something silly, it doesn't destroy the tension from the scene. It just adds to who he is as a character. But it, but it depends on the character, like I said. Like, Poe can do that, but if a more serious character just, like, farted in the middle of a sentence or whatever, <laughs> right. like, it wouldn't, it would just stop everything and be annoying and not add anything. But I think that you are not using Poe effectively. Mm -hmm. There are, the entire movie is predicated on like Poe's trauma. That's like being unearthed and about his intense relationship with this villain. Yeah. And like the serious emotional stakes for him throughout this story. Mm -hmm. But anytime we're even close to engaging with it, it always has to be him smashing yeah. a little gun and then realizing there's a big gun yeah. instead. Well, but I love that con- that first conversation between Poe and Shen where Poe keeps acting silly and keeps doing stupid things and the whole time the soothsayer and Shen are like, do you know what's going on? Do you realize this thing's in a situation? And Poe's like, no, whatever. <laughs> what are we doing? I, like, I don't think that works. I, I really like that scene because, like you said, like he's only... As far as he knows, the conflict is just like, oh, my dad's not my dad. But it's like, no, right. that's not the conflict. The conflict is that I killed all of the pandas and you are the last right. panda. And he hasn't realized that yet. I really like the tension of that scene. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just think that it... I would have liked the scene better if, like, maybe he started that way, but then he takes it seriously. And they're like, you don't know what's going on? He's like, oh, Wait, no, I don't. Like, what's going on? Like, that he does have that moment. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. He has it, like, in the next scene. No, he says in that moment, he's like, why are you guys making jokes about it? The first two things And then he laughs, and then he laughs, and it's a whole big gag again. We can't ever take it seriously. But then he aims a giant gun at his face. (laughs) Right. But But no, but then that scene goes, and then when the tower starts to collapse, and then Poe goes to fight Shen, and he sees the symbol again, and he goes, you were there. And he's like, yes, I was there. Right, but that's like ten minutes, that's like after ten minutes of gags. like two seconds left two seconds later no i'm saying that whole scene you're describing yeah. leading up to it is annoying because no, <laughs> they like can't ever scene. they can't ever commit to it and when they finally do it's only after they've given themselves the buffer of like 10 minutes worth of jokes that don't need to be there well no i like that because it is it's poe being poe and not understand what's going on and that goes on for so long because poe is kind of refusing to have the conversation because he's a he's stalling in order to give mantis time and b he's He's just Poe and he doesn't want to listen to the bad guy. He wants to punch the bad guy. So when he fights him, he realizes something else is going on and the tower collapses. Then when we get to the factory and we have that fight, then they're like having a serious conversation about things. Yeah. I disagree. Okay, great. Cool. Um, the, uh, but yeah, so then, you know, they're going around and they uh, are trying to find the guys that... Oh, also, <laughs> at the beginning... There's a crocodile guy and a rhino guy who got killed. Yes. And a bull guy. I mean, the rhino guy got killed, but the other two didn't. They're in jail. So they're trying to find those guys to try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And probably my favorite bit of this movie, at least in terms of just the like physical action comedy of it, is this bit where they're trying to break these two like kung fu masters out of jail. Mm-hmm. And they say, like, no, 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 no. We're only going to make this worse if we come out and try to mess things up like we're staying in jail for the good of our our people right mm-hmm. and poe has to be like no come on let's get it and there's this whole set piece predicated around them like trying to physically take 
the 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 of those two kung fu masters out of the prison cell, but they want to keep getting back in the prison cell. Yeah, and it's super cool, but but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that they did all that because they still are just like still don't wanna. Like, there's not really an arc in that scene. It's just yeah. sort of an extended. Well, I think it's an acceptance of what's going on because like we they. Poe has that conversation with Shifu where he's like, how do I stop something that stops Kung Fu? And he's like, well, you're the Dragon Warrior, find another piece and you can do it. Like, we have to destroy this thing to save Kung Fu. Like, be determined to go do it. Right. And so when he finds these two Kung Fu masters, and he's like, oh yeah, more people who are passionate about Kung Fu, like, we can do this together. And he gets there, and they have completely given up. Right. I think it's more of a sobering experience of, like, what's actually going on. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, that part's cool, but the fact that they have a whole big extended fight sequence doesn't matter because it doesn't change anything. Yeah. I, I, think, I that... think that's the point of it, though. <laughs> but it has to... It, in order for a fight sequence to truly be meaningful and for you to have emotional involvement in it, it needs to affect the plot somehow. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just pointless. And I feel like that one, as cool as it is, I think it's my favorite, like, sequence just in terms of it being cool and fun in the mm-hmm. movie. It's still, at the end of the day, nothing happened because of it, and then we just move on to the next thing, is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, the, uh, but yeah, so they're going around and there's this whole bit where they're in the, in the, like, Chinese dragon costume. Which, I really like that gag. Yeah, I which is it. fun. Well, there's also the really funny gag of where he's in the, like, streamers and stuff, yeah. and he, like, looks like a woman, and he, like, is like, oh, hello, and, like, punches a guy, and then he's like, oh, all right. Yeah. All right, cool, <laughs> That's the funniest joke in the movie by far, and it does not translate on describing no, it, it on the podcast. You can edit it out of the podcast, actually. Um, but, like, yeah, there's one really, really good gag in there, um, and it's, like, this whole thing of, like, they keep, like, eating people, yeah. like, it's the dragon, anyway. Well, I really like the way that the chases in this movie are choreographed like it's never on foot there's always another element to it like they're either in the dragon costume and they're trying to be sneaky on some right or like the whole i really like the chase on the rickshaws just because there's so much like momentum to it and how they play off like the 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 way they play off the location so much Mm -hmm. of like the crowded city and like people are like getting thrown in front of like pose rickshaw and he has to like avoid them or go other places like i think it's just a really fun kinetic scene you know what my pitch for this movie would be this is another big idea i have Uh there's sort of this idea of like oh shannon has invented this like canon Mm -hmm. and that is going to put an end to kung fu like it is sort of this like rock paper scissors gun yeah thing of like it doesn't matter what you can do if this guy's got this cannon he'll just shoot you in the face with it and that's that right what i would have said i would have made that a much more interesting thematic idea Mm -hmm. of this idea of like weapons that you can't uninvent you know like shen has unleashed this thing and the only thing you can do is adapt to its existence now you know this movie very much the victory is like and they blow up all the cannons and there's no more cannons anymore you uh know like to me it would have been like you can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle like he invented the cannon now kung fu has to adapt in order to (laughs) counter canon style yeah <laughs> you know yeah like the resolution should be poe figures out that thing where he can re at least redirect the shot I right think is, would be but instead it's like oh we destroyed all of them it's like yeah. i feel like it should have been no poe figured out at least some way to counteract that and maybe like the kung fu they all get cannons yeah, <laughs> so uh-huh, they can... yeah. and then it's just trench warfare <laughs> yeah. for the rest of forever I mean, everybody's favorite thing yeah exactly <laughs> and um, then ant-man steps on robert ely yeah. <laughs> um i don't so, okay, so there's a certain point where, like, the emotional through lines of the movie sort of finally, like, coalesce and we have a true direction, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, like, when Poe specifically finds out what Shen did to his parents and the panda race. Yeah. And he knows that there's this big gun where it's, like, the personal stakes and the practical stakes line up. And we have, like, one full directive for Poe that informs all of his emotional and physical actions, right? Mm -hmm. That happens, like, 55 minutes into the movie. And that's the point where I, like, engage with it fully. And I'm like, okay, now I'm here for this. And I'm, like, excited to move forward and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. But there's never quite a full... A full... I'm trying to think how to describe that, like, 
the the emotional stakes of it before are just kind of weak sauce you know <laughs> it's like oh i've got to fight a bad guy and you're like cool i mean you got to fight the bad guy i get it <laughs> but it's like it it takes way too long for like all of the the elements of the the full picture to line up yeah going forward you know but i think that's cool though i think it's cool that it takes a long time for those pieces to line up because then when it does the payoff is really cool because we've talked about it's poe trying to figure out what's going on and when he does it all lines up perfectly but a lot of the movies him figuring out what's going on yeah but he doesn't have any genuine like my point is is that his his emotional landscape is very flat Mm mm-hmm and that's just not cinematically interesting to me. Like, his motivations are... It's like Solo. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have a practical reason. There's a bad guy. He has to go stop the bad guy. And also, kind of, he wants to, like, figure out something about a weird flashback. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's fine, but it doesn't... All the action sequences don't have an emotional sense of consequence because of it you know Mm -hmm. especially in a movie that's so based around action sequences it's so important that those action sequences feel like they're important to the characters involved in them Mm -hmm. that's what's so great about kung fu panda is that you have a really clear they have like a really rich inner life all the characters Mm -hmm. and those inner lives are expressed through all these different fight choreographies you're so you're so inherently drawn to the emotional consequences of all these fights Mm -hmm. as well as the practical ones it's great at illustrating those things yeah and i just think that this movie it gets there yeah but it takes it 55 minutes in a 90 minute movie yeah i mean i also think that this movie See, Tigers has always been, like, the main one of the five in the right. first one. And in this one, too, definitely also. But I just like seeing how the five's relationship has grown since the first movie. Right. Because in the first movie, he's... they It's the process of them starting to get along. And even when they do get along, like, Poe is kind of the butt of the joke still. Right. And then in this movie, to see them, like, all actually, like, be friends and, like, mm-hmm. have moves that they do together. Yeah, no, and, that's like, super cool. And, like, have Tigress, like, actually be emotionally invested in Poe is, like, really cool and really nice. Like, right. Really good character stuff. But, yeah, and that's true. I also just don't think Tigress really has much of an arc in this movie, though. No, her arc is very much connected to Poe's arc. Right. And that she just wants to help Poe, and she does. Yeah. But, I mean, God, but that sequence when they're running up the building, is that not the dopest thing on the planet? <laughs> no, yeah, that's cool. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. My favorite, like, one of my favorite, like, extended action scenes in this is when they're, like, doing their, like, Metal Gear Solid Ocarina of Time tower escape. Yeah. After they're, like, blowing up his, like, weapons factory. Yeah. And they're, like, trying to get out the regular way, but then there's, like, all these guards out, and they're like, oh, we can't just leave. So what they do is they climb up the tower so they yeah. can be on it when it falls over and get somewhere else. That's super cool. Yeah. That's definitely... I said that the jail door thing, but that's like sort of a smaller... Yeah. Smaller bit. That's my favorite little bit. Yeah. My favorite big bit is the part where they're running out of the tower. Yeah, because it's dope. Anyway. Um, and then... But yeah, but then Poe like passes out and he wakes up with the, the fortune teller. And then... I, I wanna... she And that's when she tells him exactly what's up. Yeah. And that's when everything comes together. Yeah. But then he Fushigi's a raindrop also. Yeah. Because of the pain. And that made him get Can you inner peace. shut the fuck up for a second so I can say something that I actually like? Okay. <laughs> I really like the... I really like the character dynamic between Shen and the soothsayer. I think that whole right. relationship is really nuanced and really cool. Because obviously she's the one that said that, hey, you're evil and you're going to fuck up if there's a panda around. But at the same time, I think she also kind of represents the last little bit of, like, his old life that's, like, still there. Right. Because both his parents died because we don't need them to be here. But, like, her, like, their relationship where they kind of joke and they're kind of, she kind of has this a little bit of a mentory thing with him. But it's obvious, like, he doesn't listen to her anymore, and he doesn't like her anymore, but, like, he still, like, wants her around. He, like, weirdly wants her approval. Right. But can't get it, because she knows that he's going to fail, and she also thinks that he's evil and won't agree with what he's doing. Well, he doesn't want her approval. Approval. 
He he just wants her to say you're not going to get killed by a panda anymore. Yeah, but I think I think there's another layer to it though. Yeah, I, think I guess. He, I think because the whole thing is that he wanted to make his parents proud and they weren't proud of him. Right. And so I think because she, she kind of represents what's left of his old life. I think on some level she wants he wants her to say right. you're not going to get murdered by a panda. You win. You did it. But like at the same time, I think right. he also wants some level of approval, even if it's not really like a happy approval. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I just think, like, I don't know, I almost think that, like, because the bit at the end where he fushigis the cannonball yeah. is, is super cool. I like that yeah. as, like, a physical beat, like, payoff. Yeah. But I don't know if it really requires a setup, you know? Yeah. Like, if he was just like, oh, I am went through this hard emotional journey... Yeah. And now at the end of it, I feel the... the Universe. <laughs> I feel the universe. <laughs> but just, like, no, at the end of it, I feel this, like, peace and, like, I've made my own peace with whatever. Yeah. I don't feel like we need a specific payoff where it's, like, if you <laughs> go through a, a emotional transformation, then you can Fushigi. Yeah. And then Fushigi turns out to be the thing that pays off yeah, later, yeah. you know? Uh it's like maybe, I don't know. I guess it's just weird that they had yeah. to make it a physical, practical yeah. skill, but I guess. But then if Poe just started fushigi at the end of the movie, you'd be like, what are we doing? No, it'd be cool. <laughs> okay, whatever you say, man. If at the beginning, Shifu was just like, there's inner peace is this idea and it comes from, you know, being fully, like, stopping the war between the parts of yourself and fully yeah. understanding yourself and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and if you do that, you will become a much better person and kung fu fighter yeah i'd be like hell yeah. yeah and then at the end of the movie he's like oh man i've been through this horrible experience and now i feel purified coming out the other side of it and now i can fushigi cannonballs <laughs> i think i mean i think the fushigi is just a physical way of showing us the inner peace right and so i could be I... a motherfucking harlem globetrotter with this <laughs> with this cannonball <laughs> I, I think, like, when, when Shifu Fushigis, he's not, I'm going to teach you how to Fushigi, but <laughs> right. you have to be at peace first. I think he's I, like... I mean, it kind of feels that way in the movie, yeah, I, I thought it was like, I am at peace, and then, like, kind of, the way to show you this is this really cool technique that you can only master if you have inner peace. But, right. like, I'm not... He's not trying... He's not, like, Poe, you have to learn how to Fushigi <laughs> so you can redirect cannibals. He's right. like, the next part of your journey is learning inner peace because then you can unlock all these extra cool things right. that you can do. And one of them is Fushigi. And then Fushigi is just the one that pays yeah. off later. Here's my pitch. Yeah, no Fushigi. What if instead of Shen... Yes. It's the Washington Generals. And in... That, that's the team that the... Yeah, no, I know, play. I know. And instead of Shifu... It's the Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters, and they teach him how to stick bubblegum to the basketball so they can, yeah. he can, like, pretend to pass it, but then swoop it back, and then everybody laughs. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Where the Kung Fu Panda joins the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, okay, and then it'll be called the Squeakle. The Squeakle. And there we go. Yeah, I do really like that scene. I it, it does take a little bit of a second to get going, but, like, when they're on the boats, I think it, it could be established better but like where they're on the boats so they can't fire the cannons without shooting their own ships but so they're like trying to create a blockade out of the ships like i think they're right. set up, but like what they're trying to do in that scene i think is really cool and then when shen is just like actually fuck all of you and fires the yeah. cannon, I, I like that scene i think that's cool yeah i mean yeah it's just it's just there's a fight sequence on a bunch of boats yeah it's like, yeah, cool. Well, because Shen, Shen is moving out to go and conquer China with his cannons. But right. in order to get out of the city, they have to, like, go down this, like, channel where all the boats fit and stuff. Right. And, like, get into the open ocean. But so it's, like, just really skinny waterway where all the boats are kind of crammed together. Right. And they, like, just start, like, propping the boats up and, like, shoving boats over so they can't get through. And they can't right. fire the cannons without firing on each other. And it's just, it's a really cool setup for a yeah. scene. And it's cool that, like, the last sort of, like, 30, 25 or so minutes of this movie are sort of, like, one extended sequence that sort of takes place all in the same yeah. physical area. I think that's really cool. It's a very elegant sort of just act, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's nice. And it's, like, and, you know, and it's it's a physical space that's really dramatically lit, you know? That's what you always talk about is all the, like, red light involved. Yeah. Um, which does look great. Um, 
I think that like it's what am I trying to say? That's just all, I guess. The red light's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's... Because, like, thinking about the first Kung Fu Panda, there are some really cool scenes that are lit really beautifully, but they're all lit very naturalistically for the most part. Right. I think the fight with Tai Lung is probably the most dynamically lit one because we get, like, that kind of, like, green and blue aesthetic from, yeah. like, his powers are from, like, the Jade Palace, and it's right. really very cool. But then the rest of the time, everything is very naturalistically lit. So then they go into this movie where we're What about the escape from the prison? That's fair. That one's also really real yeah. lit with the red and the, and the blues and the cool colors. But uh, what I like about this movie is that we're kind of moving... We're kind of moving into a conversation about industrialization because we have, like, the Valley of the Peace. Right. Where they're, like, all farmers and stuff. And this movie, the big enemy, is this huge cannon that's made in factories. Right. So to suddenly have all of this movie set up and very naturalistically lit, to suddenly just have everything bathed in this, like, all-consuming red light, right. I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I And, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the movie. Oh, it's because too it, late. <laughs> I mean, just because it functions. Yeah. It's fine. Like, I like it. But, like... It's just the fact that I think it does, like, everything, like, 10% worse than the original one. Except for, like, the actual technical, like, prettiness of the animation, which is, like, 20% better. Yeah. I see. I just don't remember anything about the third one. I watched it in theaters, and I don't remember. I know that J.K. Simmons... Well, I didn't remember anything about this one, so... Well, shut the fuck up. All I remember is that J.K. Simmons is the villain, and that's fun. And then there's, like, Jade Warriors, and that's, like, it. And his dad's there, and he doesn't do anything. He, right. like, teaches the pandas kung fu or something stupid. I don't remember. The only thing the only thing from this movie that sticks out in my mind as much as basically anything from the first one is Winnie Fushigi's The Cannonballs. Okay. Because that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I do like I do like that Shen dies by his own hubris. I think it's a little yeah. bit of a constructed scene, but I like, I like the thematic payoff of that. And then also at the very end, Shifu shows up, who has not been in the He's movie at all previously. The and then every time something dangerous happens, the reaction shot they cut to is always Shifu's. Yeah. Who's like the person I care least about in this entire <laughs> sequence. And it's like, I don't, Shifu doesn't have an inner life in this movie. No, he doesn't. <laughs> like, you can't cut to him gasping and looking scared and evoke something from me because I don't care. Like, he hasn't yeah. done anything. I do think there's some kind of like prestige in being a trilogy, I think. Right. Like, that is, like, a well-respected, like, amount of sequels. Right. Because if you just have one sequel, people are like, oh, it's a cash grab, it's not as good as the first one. Right. And then if you have more than three, people are like, oh, they're just making more, making more movies. And right. Movies. So I think three, like, has a weird amount of, like, prestige to it. It's like, oh, you planned it to be a trilogy. Right. So therefore I respect your decision in making movies. <laughs> right. And I honestly think that that was kind of a mistake for this. Because, first of all, I can tell that they made kung fu panda and then we're like oh let's make more of these because it did very well and we have more things to say but then they kind of they went to the second one which i really like but then i feel like the third one is kind of an afterthought and it's an afterthought like in the second one as well because the final shot of the second movie is my least favorite part of the whole movie where where poe's dad is just like my son's alive (laughs) and it's like why right we resolved this i don't care but also, the first movie's pretty soundly resolved, too. Yeah, exactly. That's There's what I'm nothing, saying. Yeah. That's why they, they had the first one, and then we're like, okay, now let's do a trilogy. Right, Like, yeah. I don't think it was planned. It's like Harry Potter. They made the first one, and then they're like, oh, okay, we have to do more things now. Right. What? <laughs> Is that how Harry Potter worked? J.K. Rowling, yeah, she wrote that first book, and then it was a success, and oh. then she had to keep writing more books. I've just never heard that before. Okay. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, we talked about Harry Potter. I think I would have remembered something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> the gag is that it's just easily checkable. Yes. <laughs> and I'm digging my heels because in. Because I remember saying this. <laughs> um, I've said these words before. But the way I see it, yeah, uh-huh. there's like a 5% chance I'm right. Okay. <laughs> and if I am right, you're going to look like an asshole. Okay. So I'm just digging my heels in. Great, cool. Um. Anyway, if somebody can check and see. You're digging a hole, but there's a chance that I'm staying on the edge and I might also fall in, so you're just no, going to keep digging. But there's a seesaw at the bottom, and if you fall in, I <laughs> skyrocket out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like when Ifushigi's the cannonballs. <laughs> yes. I just, see, we made the mistake of talking about 
the squeakquel and talk about Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> right. And now I'm just trying to remember what I remember of Alvin and the Chipmunks. And I think I just remembered that they're naked for a really, really long time. And they get little clothes when they become pop yeah, stars. Yeah, and then they make a really big deal about putting shirts on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all I remember from Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, um, that was one of the, like, earlier movies I remember seeing in theaters. Yeah. I mean, not, like, super early, I was, but I was probably, like, seven. Yeah. That was, like, around the same time as Happy Feet, I think. Probably. Um, but this, <laughs> I just, like, remember being so excited about it. Oh, and, like, walking out. We saw it with our cousins in the Tri-Cities and walking out and all of us using little annoying high-pitched voices and repeating lines from the Chipmunks movies. I'm sure to our parents, <laughs> delight. <laughs> um, Fury. <laughs> I also remember pretending to tap dance on the way out of Happy oh, Feet. Oh, yeah, every child yeah. did that. <laughs> um, Happy Feet from the director of Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, final thoughts on Kung Fu Panda 2 besides that it sucks? I really like it, and Jackson doesn't like it, and I feel like this is a toxic work environment. It's like a 6 out of 10. I think it's like an 8 out of 10. It is inappropriate. If I commissioned this from somebody and they handed it in, I'd be like... Okay, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> like, well, we'll see. We'll see. I have to remember what the third movie is like. Because I honestly... I remember not being satisfied with any of the No, I don't want to do the third movie. I don't even care. Why are we... Why would we not do the third movie? <laughs> because I don't... I don't think anybody's asking for it. I don't care about it. Do you care about <laughs> I'm just it? I'm saying... If we're ta- if we're comparing the sequel to the original, why would we not see how it pays off in the third one? Because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I care. What if I care? <laughs> because this movie was bad at making me care. I like this movie, but I want to see. I want to. I want to remember what the third one is. Okay, we'll do the third one. Yeah, fuck you. Okay, because you're gonna make me do Alvin and the Chipmunks. So. <laughs> right, maybe. <laughs> so if we if we do Alvin and the Chipmunks, we also have to do Kung Fu Panda three. These right. are the rules. Okay, this fine. This is the line in the sand. So hey. Yes. I need to do a more comprehensive wrap up on these things. Yes. First of all. Yes. You guys still aren't writing iTunes reviews. <laughs> All 30 of you. And How I fucking just, dare you. I just wish that you would, please. <laughs> I'm on my knees. You can't it's, tell. I, I'm on my knees. Because I swear to God, we'll read them. It'll I'm be a whole thing. I'm bringing my hands. Also, next episode, we're going to cover Artemis Fowl. Yes. If you want to watch that. It'll probably be bad. Who's to say? Who's to say? Um... I think it's going to be bad. Might be surprised, though. I'm trying to keep an open mind. It's got to be bad. <laughs> Josh Gad. It's pretty funny sometimes. Remember when he had sex with Qbert and Pixels? Yeah, uh-huh. That means the movie's probably going to be yeah, good. Yeah, it's probably... Maybe Qbert's in it. Anyway, if you have any... After you watch Artemis File, if you want to tweet at us about it, we'll read your tweets on the air. Yeah. Also, uh, just subscribe to us on Twitter or on YouTube. I've got a YouTube video that should be coming out within the next couple of weeks. Uh, about something that I think is interesting. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's not. <laughs> and I just so I just hope you'll do that if you're not already. And also, uh, Twitter at No Nerds Pod. Yep. We post a lot of stuff there. And I mean, uh, it, uh, depending on how you're listening to this, you probably already figured out how you like to listen to the podcast. <laughs> right. Right. But like we're we're on all the podcasting apps, and we also have a YouTube channel where we just post the podcast with a little visual and there's a little picture to look at while you listen if that's the thing that you would enjoy and there was something i was about to say um something about artemis file the youtube the youtube the youtubes um didn't talk about they were gonna maybe split the youtubes oh that was it that was it okay so this is buried way at the end of the podcast. Yep, uh-huh. I'll put it at the beginning of the next one. Okay. Uh, we'll just say it again. The, in order to get a bigger audience, we have decided that it would be helpful for us to split our YouTube channel into two, with one being just for the podcast and one being just for other videos. Other videos. Things that we're doing. Um, so whenever it is that I finish the video I'm working on right now, I am going to start posting the podcast on a different channel just so we're clear the channel that already exists is going to be just for videos and the new channel i'm going to make is where the podcast is going to go so if you are following just for the podcast 
you're gonna have to move to another channel. I know it's a pain. I'm sorry. You have to hit another button. Yeah. On another thing. But just in this, for the sake of transparency, the reason is because I made that video about Dark Side of the Rainbow, and it's doing pretty well because that is just the kind of thing that people are always going to be searching for on YouTube. And I want, if they see that, to click on... I want people to click on our channel and see something other than 40 podcast episodes. Yeah, well, because if you, if, you, if you came for a video essay, you're not right. going to stay for a podcast. Exactly. If, but if you're sold on a bunch of video essays, you might be interested to check in on a podcast. Exactly. Anyway, so that's why we're doing that. That's just the, the real reason. Um, anyway... Um, I should look up a review because we're done. You should. Uh, this is a half star review from Letterbox.com. This person says, why does Tigress has feelings? It doesn't make any sense. Why does she hug people? No, no, no. I was rooting for her. Frowny face emoji. I don't want women to have emotions in my Kung Fu Panda. Anyway, my name's Jackson McMurray. My name's Allie McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. No Nerds Allowed. And like... <laughs> just like, it's, no, a, no, it's a character no, assassination. No, That's not right. No, 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 no. The tigress I know doesn't have feelings. And now suddenly she does? Be- as a result of outside stimulus? How could that be? Twitter.